to the MEC English Service Podcast. For more resources or information about our church, Mideast Evangelical Church, visit mec.church. All right, guys. Um, we are going to be wrapping up First Peter, and there was much rejoicing. Um, so we made it all the way through a book of the Bible. If you're wondering, well, what about those last three verses? Um, actually, the first week that we got together um, and we started talking about First Peter, I actually talked about the last three verses of the book anyway, like we did bookends to start. And so that's why if you're like, why is he leaving out those last three? It's because we already talked about it a little. So um, we're going to talk about sheep, shepherds, and lions. Um, this is an old guy who's a shepherd as is evidenced by the image. Um, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and when you think about elders, and like I don't mean like the official church role of elder, but when you think of like old people, whatever that word means in your mind, so for some of you it means like 27, and for others of you it means like 90, um, but when you think of old people, what are the adjectives or associations that come with that word elder or old person? Um, talk to the person next to you, share your ideas about old people. Go. All right, someone in this front row, what's one of the adjectives or ideas that comes with old people? Data. Okay. Um, what about over here? What about over here? Okay, so like dementia. That's fun. Um, what about right here? Wise and experienced. Very different from dementia. Um, second row over here. Generous and storytelling. Here, finish. Over here, front row, finish. No, I didn't finish with them, but I was going to say, but there are some who are very sort of like, well, you're about this Got it, yeah. Um, what about the boys? They make good food. <laughs> Am I right? There should be like a, a grandma showdown where like they, like there's a, like a cook-off and then we, and we judge, right? Yes. That should happen. My sound boys. What, what about my sound boys? What does old people make or elders make you think of? Okay, maybe doesn't understand the younger generation. Good. Nathan's row. What you got? Oh, okay, so like there, there's these extremes. There are elders who are very active and there are elders who are not very active. Cool. Back row. Retired, yes, like free word association. Retired. What, what else? And pure. All right. Or grumpy. Yeah, so, you know, so depending on the old people or the elders that you've been exposed to, you're going to have different words associated with that concept, right? Because let's be real. Not every teenager is the same. Not every old person's the same, Right? Not every teenager does drugs and listens to loud music. Um, but not every old person is wise and virtuous, right? Or grumpy and de- dementiaed. Um, like these, is that an adjective? Um, so uh, when we're talking about elders, like the whole first chunk of this text is talking to the elders, and he's giving advice to the elders. Um, and no matter what your exposure to elders has been, the elders play a necessary role. Now, if they're doing their job well, 
elders play, play a necessary role. Um, and this guy's not just an elder, but judging by the staff and the group of bodies behind him, what type of elder is he? He's a shepherd. Now, why do you think Peter pairs up this idea of shepherd and elder together? What, because they're what? Because they're what? They're wise and they lead people. They lead animals. Um, how many of you, how many of you have um, experience with sheep? Okay, Daniel, tell me what what your experience with sheep was like. Oh, they taste pretty good. <laughs> nothing like nothing like a good mutton sandwich. Um, now, okay. So I know that some of you uh, have not like worked with sheep very much in your life, and I was trying to think. I feel like I've heard so many pastors be like, you know, here's what sheep are like. But realistically, if I explain to you what sheep are like, like you're you still don't you don't still haven't experienced sheep. So hopefully this like connects a little bit more. I find that sheep sheep are like Roomba. Um, all right, already there's like the size of frustration, guys. When we turn on the Roomba, it's cute, right? But why is Roomba annoying sometimes? Because it gets stuck under the couch. Good. It's loud. It's very loud. It's pretty dumb. It bumps into things, right? Now, that's part of how Roomba does its job, right? But the thing about Roomba um, is... Like, every time we run this thing in our house, um, I usually have to, like, block things off so that Roomba doesn't run over cables that might unplug the projector. Um, Or I have to make sure that I put up those virtual walls to make sure that Roomba doesn't get into things that Roomba's not supposed to get into. Now, Roomba's pretty great at doing what Roomba does, but without some guidance and some shepherding, Roomba can get itself into trouble. Right? Roomba is really good at getting stuck under the ottoman in our house. Roomba's really good at sucking up Barbie's hair and getting tangled up with Barbie. Um, Roomba's really good at, um, uh, like, if there's anything on the ground, Roomba will run it over and gobble it up. Um, there's also a couple of, like, dollhouses that, like, Roomba will, like, get up over the ridge, and then, like, its wheels will spin and it can't do anything. Um, so if we don't watch out for Roomba... Like, if we don't shepherd, if we don't guide, if we don't put boundaries, if we don't help out Roomba, Roomba, one, doesn't get what Roomba needs to get done. Done. Two, Roomba can hurt itself. Three, Roomba can frustrate everyone around it. And so the job of the shepherd is to, like, put up those virtual walls and be like, hey, Roomba, don't go over there. Hey, Roomba, um, I need to block off this dollhouse so you don't go there. Um, I need to make sure that I pick up all these... Um, I don't know why we have dryer sheets in our house. Like, I usually think there's no dryer sheets on the ground until I clean out Roomba. I'm like, where did all these dryer sheets come from? Um, Because Sechi plays with dryer sheets. There it is. Um, But in our lives, I think when we first start out, and those of you who are younger, maybe you don't feel this way, um, but as I look back on my life, I realize that I was a lot like Roomba. Like, when I was young, there was no... I needed boundaries, I needed guidance. Otherwise, I would bump into walls. And some of the areas that, like, where I got that guidance and I got those boundaries, I learned valuable lessons, and things have gone pretty well for me. And then there are other areas where maybe I didn't have those boundaries, and I made foolish mistakes. Um, And the role of the elder 
is to be like the one who helps Roomba get along in the world. The role of the elder is the one who like helps make sure that Roomba doesn't run into the electrical cords, that Roomba doesn't get into the dollhouse. And like when you think about the elder people in your life, like you probably see a lot of this role, right? Like they put up these virtual walls, whether it's like no being out past 10 p.m. or finish all your homework before you hang out with your friends or um, don't do drugs or whatever it is, like these walls that are put up for you by the elders. It's because like they want to make sure, one, that you don't make a mess of things, you don't hurt yourself, and you don't bother others, right? If the elder is doing its job well. And so um, Peter has these pieces of advice for our elders, right? He says, yes, you guys are like sheep, aka Roomba. And because of that, um, here's what you need to do. Now, when we think of elders, like, I think that there are things that are like, like when we think of the 80 and up elders, it's a little bit different. When you think of sibling elders, a different set of assumptions comes around, right? When I think of even like working at the school, when I think of like seniors versus freshmen, sometimes like here's the default way that elders work. One, um, elders say, stay out of my way, little kid right? Um, Because sometimes I'm doing important things and you're going to mess it up. I'm the elder. I'm doing important stuff. Get out of my way. Maybe you've heard adults say this to you. Maybe you've heard like people who are older than you say this because like they're doing important things. So be quiet. I'm doing things, right? Or sometimes the way that the elder responds is like when you do annoying things or you do things that they don't understand, there's like a, like the eye roll, right? Um, especially I, I've noticed this in families where there's multiple siblings, like the eldest oftentimes experiences this a lot, a lot of that. Oh my goodness. What are they doing? Right. Um, or sometimes you can use it to your advantage. If you're the elder and you have more verbal skills and the, something goes wrong, it's really easy to use that, those verbal skills and that power to like put the blame on the younger one. Right, and be like, they're the ones who did it. They're the ones who dropped the thing. Or maybe it's about like, okay, hey, I'm older, so you guys need to do this. One of the things that drives me nuts is when I hear people say that, maybe you say this, hopefully not, I'm senior privilege. I hear this at the high school campus a lot. Is like, hey, we're seniors, so we can do things that you can't because we're special and we're good and you're not, right? <laughs> That's what's implied when you say I'm special because I'm older. You're saying, and you're not because you're not, Right? And so there's this expectation, hey, you need, to, you need to watch out for me. You need to take care of me because I'm the older one. I've lived for a whole two years longer than you. Um, and then last, like they use this power to boss around younger people. Now, if you were following along in that text, is this what, is this what Peter says? He's like, hey, those of you who are older, make sure you use your power to boss people around, to get out of trouble, to be like, hey, stay out of my way, to roll your eyes at how dumb young people are. Is that what Peter says? Like, this is how you are a good elder? Negative, right? Good. Um, instead, these are the words he uses. He says, those of you who are elders, when you shepherd the flock, watch over them. Like, imagine if, like, all of the older people in your life, like, their primary concern was to watch out for your good, right? To make sure that things are going okay for you. Um, and also, to be willing. Like, not just like, oh, I have, like, I don't know if any of you were, like, forced into babysitting for a younger sibling, but instead of being like, oh, I have to take care of my younger sibling, to be like, oh, I get to take care of my younger sibling. Awesome. This is wonderful. To be willing to do this. Um, (laughs) To not pursue dishonest gain. 
um, to not like use your power over them to like get out of trouble or get things that you want, not um, to be eager to serve instead of being eager to be served and to be examples. Like these are the things that, that Peter says, hey, if you were older, this is what I expect of you. When you shepherd the flock, you do it because you want to. You're going to live your life as an example, and you're going to be willing to do it not for your own gain, but for the good of the others. And the truth is that, like, at this, like, depending on your stage of life, there's always going to be people who are older than you, right? That's always going to happen. However, like, I think we've talked about this before, but John Wesley was one, like, one of these old um, theologians, and he had this great image for Christian sanctification or becoming better human beings. Um, it's like a staircase. And each of us is on a step in this staircase, like the whole church, I mean, not just like MEC, but the universal church is on this staircase, and each of us is on a step. And no matter where you are in your journey, there's someone who's a step below you. And no matter where you are in your journey, there's always someone ab- above you in that step. And the job of you as a, as a Christian wanting to become holy is allowing those above you to pull you up. And also reaching a hand down and allowing those who are below you to be pulled up by you. Right? There's this image of everybody working upwards, right? Because those who are older are willing to serve those below, and those who are below are willing to be served. But if we're all on this trajectory, this means that like this message that he says, those elders, like this message applies to all of us. Because there's someone younger than you, right? So think, who's like who's at that stage in your life that's like one step younger than you? They need your help. They need you to serve them willingly, to help them up to the next step. They need you to be an example for them. They need you to watch over them, not for your own good, but for their good. Right? So if you're, if you're in 12th grade, maybe it means there's a sophomore that needs your help. If you're in 7th grade, maybe there's an elementary school kid. Maybe it's a younger sibling that needs your help right? for you to watch over them, to hold their hand and help them up the staircase. Um, now, I think that sometimes, like, when we talk about, okay, here's how, here's how else, are you still, t- I feel echoey. That's super echoey. That's weird, huh? Or just turn off aux something. No, not aux one, never mind, don't mess with that. Whatever, it's probably fine. Um, so, um, I think that oftentimes, like, we as humans, there's these pendulum swings that we like. So sometimes, if we're, like, we're way over here, when we correct, we want to go way over here instead. And so sometimes it's like, okay, leaders abuse their power. And since leaders abuse their power, that means those of us who are younger, yes, we're the ones who should have the power. Any of you read the book Animal Farm? Okay, those of you who have gone through like ninth grade English, I think, have probably read Animal Farm. Spoilers. Sometimes the people who are being oppressed become the oppressors. Sometimes out of a reaction against the way that the elder generation, the empowered people, the group on top, sometimes out of a reaction against them, when the oppressed, when the younger rises to power, they then oppress just as powerfully. I notice this even in like the political circles that depending who's on who's in power, like the the angry anti whatever rhetoric is always more powerful um, from the group that's being oppressed. And then when it swings, these guys get quiet, and then this group gets loud, and then it goes back and forth, back and forth. 
And I think that what um, Peter is trying to do here is he's avoiding the pendulum swing. He doesn't say, elders, you better take care of those young people. And if you don't mess it up, young people, you rise in power and you kill all the old people. He doesn't say that. Um, But he says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. So if you are older, be willing to serve humbly. If you are younger, be willing to be humble and have the elders help you. It's this mutual submission. Like I think of um, in East Asian cultures where people bow to each other. I took Taekwondo and I'm pretty sure it was like, I don't know, like whitewashed um, martial arts. But um, I remember that every time you enter into some sort of fake combat with another person, you bow deferentially to the other person. And it's like as an act to be like, hey, we're submitting to each other before we do this thing. And I think um, when I was thinking about this idea of mutual submission, we talked about this a little with wives and husbands, but um, with the image that comes to my mind is an image that you can't really see in here because it's a night scene, but it's in the movie Forrest Gump. And Forrest and Bubba are in Vietnam, and it's raining. Um, And they have to sleep at some point. And so Bubba turns to Forrest and says, Hey, Forrest, you lean up against me, and I'll lean right back up against you. This way we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. And I think this is what Peter is trying to set up for us. Elders, lean into, serve, and be humble before your youthful people. Youthful people, lean into, be hum- humble, and serve the elders. And when you lean into each other, you don't have to sleep with your heads in the mud. Right? You don't have to get into like the, the dirt of like who's right, who's wrong. But when we mutually submit to each other, it just turns out that like we work towards becoming better human beings. We work towards becoming sanctified. When the elders want to serve the younger and the younger want to submit to the elders, we work our ways up that staircase like John Wesley originally envisioned the church should be. And so if we do this, Right? Like then, then the product, he says, is um, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. It's through this process of submission, not just to each other, but to God, that we, like, we are then lifted up, that we keep our heads out of the mud. It's through humility. You would think that it's the opposite, right? Like you want to get as high as you can, and that's how you stay out of the mud, but it's in our surrender. It's in our leaning over that we keep our heads out of the mud. And he will lift us up in due time. Now, if we have this humility thing, um, it produces two effects. Um, one of the effects is it reduces our anxiety if we, if we submit ourselves in humility. And it also increases our sobriety. Now, when you hear sobriety, what do you usually think? Drunk. Usually we think of the antonym, right? Um, but when you're drunk, you know, like you do as in junior high or whatever. Um, (laughs) Jokes. Um, When you're drunk, what's happening to your body? Maybe you're crazy. It depends on how many drinks in you are. Um, (laughs) Good. You're you're probably protecting your own safety by not answering. Okay, so (laughs) when you are are drunk, you are not sober. When you um, are sober, you see things for how they really are. You, uh, um, your inhibitions are normal. You are a little bit more cautious, but then when you are drunk, you lose those inhibitions. You are less cautious. You make more foolish mistakes. Things just come out of your mouth that you wouldn't have said otherwise. Behaviors happen that you wouldn't have done otherwise. And it turns out that humility, 
produces sobriety. Like it makes us alert and aware. Like when we are conscious of the fact that we have to be humbled, that when we need to submit, it also like raises our awareness in some ways. And here's what I mean. Um, I thought when I was thinking about this concept, um, there was this old film called Lambert the Sheepish Lion. Have any of you seen Lambert the Sheepish Lion? Wonderful. Um, <laughs> just me. So Lambert the Sheepish Lion is a story about a lion that was raised among sheep. And this lion thinks he's a sheep, right? And he spends his whole life acting like a sheep with his sheep mom and his sheep dad. And like over time, it's like one of those normal things where he realizes that he's different and blah, blah, blah. blah. Kind of, I, guess it, I guess it's basically the plot line of Elf, but with lions and sheep. Um, but... What happens is eventually um, there's a wolf that comes to attack. And when this wolf comes to attack, something wakes up in Lambert and he stands up to protect his family. He stands up to protect the sheep. And I think what happens at the end of this story is like what happens with this humility. That when we humble ourselves, we realize that we have to lean on not only the people who are older than us, but we have to lean on God. And when we realize that we have to put ourselves in the hands of God and we realize who God is, then I think it reduces the stress of I have to do all of this on my own. I need to be the one who protects everything. I need to be the one who handles the whole situation. And I think also in that humility, it also increases our sobriety. Here's what um, Peter says. Um, The first part he says is he says, okay, because of this humility, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then the next logical thought that he feels like he should throw in is, and be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a It says roaring lion, but I didn't want to confuse the metaphor. Like a drooling wolf looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This humble reliance on God helps you to know that I can cast all of my anxiety on God, but then it also wakes us up to the reality that if I'm fully leaning into who God is, it makes me more alert and aware of the fact that not everybody is in that place right? That there is darkness that wants to claim us, that there is messed up brokenness. So our anxiety lowers because we lean into God, but we don't like become blind to all the darkness and brokenness in the world. There's this like dual effect there to when we humble ourselves. And so if we humble ourselves and it reduces our anxiety and increases our sobriety, then like we have the ultimate example here. Because like when we're talking, i, I I wanted you to think about like old people who like served you. But if we think of like elders as like people who have this authority over us, people who have been around longer, you haven't, no one's been around quite as long as the creator of the universe. Um, And the creator of the universe followed all of these things that Peter says that the community faith needs to do for each other. Right? Because when, God the Son comes in the flesh as Jesus. He came and he watched over us. He was willing, right? He volunteered for this. Jesus didn't have to do the things that Jesus did, like we were talking about. Like if we're thinking about Christmas time, we, um, even though there's this connection in our worship time today that where we sang about like Jesus came into the world and this is joy and part of that joy is the cross. Like the first step just into becoming human was a huge step 
for God to do. The fact that God would be willing to get in the dirt with us. The fact that God would be willing to come and show us what it means to be fully human. And when Jesus did this, he didn't do it to like get something out of it. He did it for us. Humbly willing to serve, living the life of an exemplar. So we don't have a God who through Peter then says, all right, here's how you need to behave. But we have a God who says, let me show you how it's done. Right? We have a God who said, I'm going to put on flesh and blood and I'm going to live the human life and show you what it means to like, serve even though I have every right not to serve. To be willing to love and be among you. And so if that's the case, um, then this Christmas time, is an opportunity for us to like remember that this is what Jesus did for us and then use that as motivation to alter the way that we live as well. If Jesus was willing to humble himself to help those below him, then, then think of those people who are below you that you can help. And also consider that maybe the people who are above you are the people who God is trying to help you through. But all of this requires some step of humility, and that, that humility starts with submission and humility before Jesus, our shepherd. It all starts with allowing ourselves to submit ourselves to him. And so let's um, take a moment right now um, just to pray um, and talk to, talk to Jesus. Um, so let's bow our heads. And I want you um, to take this moment to uh, submit yourself to Jesus. And in submitting, it means laying down your agendas, laying down your pride and thinking that you know it all. Laying down your ambitions. and holding them with open hands before him and saying, Jesus, I submit this to you. I put it all before you, and I put it under your authority. And also right now, I want you to allow um, the Spirit to remind you of the people who are in your life who are one step lower than you on the staircase, who are a little younger than you, maybe just younger in the faith. And I want you to consider what it would look like to humbly serve them in the same way that Jesus was willing to humbly serve us. So God, we submit ourselves to you. And we submit ourselves to the community of faith and to each other so we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. God, in humility, help us to lean into each other, to rely on each other, to trust each other, 
to help us pull ourselves up this staircase to become more and more like you. God, and as a result of this process, I pray that you would help us to look more like you did when you dwelt here on earth. God, help us to be servants who are selfless and humble. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.